Let's go. Bob doesn't have time. I'm going to record it, too. Okay, you going? <clears throat> Yo. Yo. What up? It's just Jason and I today. Javier's braving the wilderness out there in Southern California while we're stuck here. Actually, it feels like Southern California here today. I don't know about... Yeah, it's a nice day. It's warm here. Yeah, it Um, is warm. So today we have... What are we talking about today, Jason? Today we're talking about the Kiss of Goodbye, two songs, seven inch. Do you call it Preacher... The preacher seven inch, or you call it target practice seven inch. I think most I've, people say target practice. I've been calling it target practice, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just two songs. What's the what's the last two song rev thing? Uh, Ray and Porcel seven inch. Or no, I think it was the Civ record. You're right. It was uh, Social Climber, but then there's the extra tracks on there, which were left off of the discography. But we, I went back and listened after I got a a record player set up and yeah, they were there. Yeah. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's a two song. Yeah, record. it is. It is for sure. Okay. So yeah. So Rev didn't Rev. This is all to say uh, Rev didn't really do too many um, like just two song traditional single, you know, a side B side. So, but yeah, this is kiss it goodbyes. We'll call it the target practice. Seven inch uh, came out in 1997. So we're in real time again, Jason, for us, like we were around at this time. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about our relationship with this in the outro for patrons. But I think before we uh, get into that, don't you think it's time to, I want to give a bit of bow to some of our sponsors. Uh, first and foremost, Siren Records. Um www.sirenrecords.com and don't forget coming up uh this episode is going to be out on november 9th so not the weekend after that but the following weekend the 19th siren records and where it went podcast will be doing a joint event with uh jeff caudle from game face and many other things and popeye from Vogel sang from far side and they play solo and it's really fun. It's going to be at siren records. You can go spend a Saturday evening, do some holiday shopping there, support small business, get some great records, watch some great music. Um, Rich Cahill is opening. He's a pretty well-known tattoo artist uh, in like the Philly ish area. And he plays music as well. So, uh, He's going to be playing too, and it'll be really fun. I wish Jason and Hoff could uh, be there. I know, same here. I wish I could. It's just but, a little um, far. You know how that it goes. Is, so. For sure, for sure. But if you're in the area, come on out. Tickets on Siren Records website, sirenrecords.com. And you can also order things online. You could probably even put in an order and have them hold it for you at the store if you're going to come to the show and maybe you're, you are traveling. You know, have them. Order you some stuff to pick up when you're there. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. But, um, yeah, come out to that. Spread the word. Um, It'll be awesome. And I want to give another bit of bow to another sponsor, War Records. Jason, where can people check out War Records? War Records? 
dot it's not it's something different than war records.com <laughs> i fucked up i know it's not i know it's not war records www.war-rec.com yeah r-e-c i should know that. um not w-r-e-c-k which jason is right now um <laughs> so <laughs> uh, by the time you listen to this uh Berthold city will have completed their european tour with ignite so if you were fortunate enough to get to check out one of those shows. Let us know how it was. Love to hear. Um, Cinder Block record, Bent Blue record. Um, there's you know tons of other merch, Strife, uh, lots of cool Strife gear, uh, Fixation. Um, Enact did a record within the last few months. Just a lot of cool releases and you know, I know we say this all the time, but everything just looks awesome. Yeah, it does. I was just going to say the same thing. I'm scrolling through the site right now. Yes, yeah, attention to detail. Um, Andrew, Andrew's an awesome guy. Um, and that cinder block, like I said, we, we talked about it before, but it's every time I think about it, it's super cool that it exists and that they, um, you know, kind of brought it back to life to for archival purposes and i believe they either played or are playing a show might have already happened i should probably know this but uh in buffalo so yeah warrecords.com one of the best labels going for sure absolutely get I'm that looking at this old city yeah get that birth old city record here jason that's right some spit a little bit on the track yes <laughs> i was pumped on that but i'm checking out the strife calm the fire at navy long sleeve right now or XL available. So get on it. The time to buy it is when you see it. That's Wise right. words from Javier, who's not with us today. Yeah. But once once in a while, Javier's wise. Hey, speaking of strife and speaking of Javier, uh, just since he's not here to plug it, and I don't know if he would, um, Godhead is playing with Gorilla Biscuits, Strung Out, Ignite, Strife, Firestarter, Venomous Pinks, Sweat, Bent Blue, and Major Pain, December 10th in uh, at the Garden Amp. I don't even know where that is directly in California. Is it Garden Amp? never Rose? been there? No. You? I can't say I have. Oh, I mean, I haven't been to California in, God, now it's been like almost 20 years, so. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm correct. It's Garden Grove, California. I should know that. But yeah, that's December 10th. Um, and it, you know what? It ties it all in a nice little bow because Bent Blue are playing and they're on War Records along with, you know, Strife having, uh, the obvious, uh, connection there. And also Major Pain are a newer band that I believe signed to Indecision. That's right. Label mates with old grandfather Mazzola here. <laughs> uh, it's very true. Very true. Uh, Back and, in my day. And and Cole uh, works at Rev. Yeah. When I've ordered stuff. He's packed it and left some nice little notes. So what's up, Cole? Check out Major Pain. That's And uh, they have an Instagram as well. And it is at Major Pain, P-A-I-N-H-C. And like I said, they're going to be on Indecision. Uh, record will be, I guess, later this year? 
I don't know. What does it say here? Da, da, da. Yeah, it says new tracks will be out on Indecision before the year is over with more to come after. Yeah. Bit of, yeah. Bit of Dave Mandel. Bit of Dave Mandel, Indecision, Major Pain, Cole, and Rev HQ. That's right. So without further ado, I think it might be time to kick it. Can I kick it? Kick it, kick it. All right, so today we are here with uh, previous guest, Keith. Keith, what's up? From uh, Kiss It Goodbye. And we have Andrew, first time. First time guest, uh, played drums for Kiss It Goodbye. Um, if you want to hear some talk about, a little bit of talk about, uh, you know, from Andrew uh, on his perspectives on Kiss It Goodbye and the album and formation, patrons, you'll you'll be in luck because it'll be on on the patron part. But if not, we're just going to have to start with this two-song seven-inch. Um, Jason and I were like, do we call it the, the Preacher seven-inch or the Target Practice? I call it the Target Practice seven-inch. Why? I don't know. It's two songs. Um, we were also saying how Rev... Rev didn't do too many, like two song, seven inches, you know, one song on one side, one on the other. But um, they did this one and it was recorded at the same time as the LP. So I guess, Andrew, any idea why why were these songs left off the LP? Uh, yeah, Target Practice um, was left off mainly because we already recorded uh, a bunch of the songs from the demo for the LP. So Hartley and, and Man Thing were already in our live show. We were playing them every single show. And and I don't think that we wanted to have three of the four demo songs on the LP. We had a lot of other uh, songs that we've written since then. Uh, I think Target Practice is an awesome song. I think it would have fit well on, on the LP, but I, I, I believe that we just wanted to have, uh, you know, just more of the, the songs that we've written since since the demo. Uh, and and it, it it definitely sounds different. Of all all the songs that we re- recorded, it sounds the most different from the demo. If that's good or bad, I I, I don't know. But it, it has has a, a lot of difference. Uh, oh, has has a has a little bit different sound from the demo than than I think diverged more than than the other songs. I I think preacher. I think preacher was one of the last songs. Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but I think preacher was one of the last songs that we wrote. And I think it just wasn't you know, a very comfortable song. And, and, you know, we just wrote it quickly right before recording and, and we're like, okay, you know, didn't have enough time to work it the way that we worked a lot of the other songs just wasn't, you know, for, for us just being comfortable with the song, just, you know, wasn't as comfortable to make, to put it on the LP as, uh, as the rest of the songs. Uh, I, I believe you're correct, but my memory is a sieve, but I think you're definitely right. The fact that we, that we didn't beat it to death, like we did the other ones. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hi everybody. Can you hear me? Tim. Yeah. Hey, what's up? We Tim? also have Tim Singer here. We just started talking Tim about the, um, 
the seven inch. Oh, uh, okay, cool. Uh, so just the, <laughs> just the two song target uh, practice preacher or preacher target practice. Right, right, right. Uh, seven inch. Um, and Andrew was just talking about how because I asked you know why these were left off the record, and um, your answer, Andrew, makes sense because I know what it's like being in a band. It's like, do we want to really re-record all these songs? And I have to say, like Jason and I and Javier were talking off air about how good the freaking kiss a goodbye demo is like for a, for like a demo. I mean, that shit is it rips. Yeah. It's really yeah. fucking good. And like, I was just like, I can sort of see too, how it's almost like, well, can we even, I feel as an artist, maybe you always think, Oh, maybe I can improve. But as a fan, I'm like, Oh yeah, these songs sound great in the demo form. And we touched on this before. Like I know Tim, when we talked about, like you were talking about Rollins band end of silence and saying how like the demos, you prefer the demos, you know, so you get it. Um, but yeah, the the demo just uh, is really brutal. And I can see kind of how maybe you were like, well, we don't want to necessarily re-record everything from this and, and put it on. Um, but I guess, did you know that Rev, like, did you have an agreement? Like, hey, we got these extra songs. Like, can we do something down the line? Or did that, like, whose idea was it to eventually just put them on a little two-song record? I have no answer for that. No idea. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't remember honestly. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you really like outtakes from the LP, right? Like, um, yeah. I mean, I remember Preacher. I mean, it's it's yet another song named after a comic book. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, because yeah, maybe it was more pushed by Rev because you know they. I think maybe they felt they sunk a lot of money into us for that recording. They wanted to try to get as much of their money back as possible. Right. Uh, Cause that's not the thing. Yeah. Cause we did one more seven inch after that. Right. Yeah. The, the yes. Choke. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Choke. I think Huckins was already, were you already on the East coast when that happened? Huckins? Yeah. Uh, and I guess we'll talk about that next time. Whenever, whenever that number comes up. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, Later in the 60s. A couple of years from now, right? We're in 97, yeah. so it's 99. I think that that, re- that yeah. release came out. But oh, uh, Tim, how was it to re-record the vocals for Target Practice? Wait, was Target Practice on the demo? Yeah. yeah. Target Practice oh, wow. was on the demo. And so, and I think that, you know, it sounds like a lot of the vocals for it are kind of improvisational on both versions. So how was it to, to re-record I mean, and do that? By the time we recorded that album, that's what, that was with Billy Anderson. Like I don't know. I thought by then, God, that was like I, I remember the, the demo. I worked. I was like sort of graduated from Rutgers somewhat, and that's where I am right now. I'm actually at Rutgers um, because I used to play ultimate for Rutgers, and it's like the 50th anniversary of the first intercollegiate ultimate frisbee game between Princeton and Rutgers. So. nice yeah and but uh, here's a fun sidebar and then i'll get back to that um when i played we named the team hot animal machine and of course you guys will understand that reference um but nobody nobody on the team really understood it except for my buddy rock who did boiling point with me and so we named the team hot animal machine but everybody kept calling us ham and we hated (laughs) that so then we just shortened it to machine 
And 30 years later, I'm at this thing and they still call it machine. I don't think anybody here knows why. And uh, there's like 50 versions of these like t-shirts that I did back in the day. It's literally, um, it's kind of surreal because I forgot I did all this shit. Um, and I, yeah, and nobody here has any idea. They probably don't know who Henry Rollins is or hot and on machine or any of that stuff. But, um, anyway, uh, the demo, the demo stressed me out because like we, we practiced like crazy, wrote those songs super fast, um, are pretty fast. Right. Um, and I would just practice in my headphones all the time when I worked at Nobody Beats the Wiz. I remember like I was like this graphic designer guy in-house at Nobody Beats the Wiz and I'd be having my headphones on trying to come up with lyrics for this music. Um, so that demo was like, I was like, I remember trying to remember the lyrics on the way to pre like to recording. So I think I was super sort of uptight and stressed out for the demo and by the time we recorded the album i feel like we were such a machine no pun intended um that i didn't really think about comparing it to the demo you know what i mean um yeah i felt like i was just sort of in the zone and i really think those i got like do, do we record like all the songs and then just sort of decide what the album was that's, that's sort of my recollection of like i think we recorded everything we thought to record and then we decided like these songs make the album and then i don't know back then so you always sort of had extra tracks and someone might do a comp or whatever and then you like sort of have these songs lying around yeah and back then seven inches were cheap too so yeah like yeah, you yeah. said like for the late like it's funny because now you know if, if you talk to a label they'll say seven inches are like they lose money on them because they have to charge a lot. There's not a lot, but back then, you know, this record was like three bucks and right. they, they could probably make, you know, recoup some money and it wasn't a big deal to practice. Like you said, to, to press a seven inch. Oh, we got extra stuff. Yeah. We'll throw it on a seven inch. Yeah. Oh, it was way easy back in the day. I mean, I even did it right. And I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, yeah, it was super easy. And I guess now it's sort of the opposite because nobody buys vinyl. So, I think seven inches have shitty margins or something. I'm not sure. Um, they they definitely like I've talked to people who do a label and you know they've said too like seven inches like it's why I see, feel like you see a lot more like twelve inch EPs. Yeah, now, exactly. Than you did, uh, you know, back then in the '90s in the ancient yep. history. Now, <laughs> yeah. Um. But it gets you another Rev catalog number. So, hey, whatever, right? It's a reason to talk to us again. Um, so, yeah, so, so the uh, Preacher obviously was, you said a newer song. Was that one of the last ones? And did you, I, you mentioned it was one of the last ones written for the LP or at the time of the LP? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, that makes sense, too, that you were kind of like, well, the, if, you're, if you haven't pummeled it, you know, 50 times in the practice space, you know, you hear a lot about that where stuff's recorded, you know, oh, the original version of this was recorded at the previous album's session. And then, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, who knows if you did a second full length, you know, maybe you would have like refined it or what have you and, and put it on that. So um, go, go, going back to the difference between the demo version and the album version, um, I'll refresh your guys' memory. We we did at, at the end of the song, we did 
we all stood around a microphone on the demo version. We all stood around a microphone and we just did like small talk band. And, and uh, you know, it, it was kind of, kind of like all our voices, like all over, just kind of, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for some, for some reason, I think we, we, we just had Tim just doing his own banter and that we just left it alone. We didn't, we didn't do the whole big banter thing at the end for the, uh, when oh, we did it, I yeah. totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, it's funny when you try to do that shit in the studio, too, because you sort of feel stupid, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That was 500 years ago. Good memory, Andrew. Like, I couldn't, like, I'm trying to remember who, who recorded the demo? Was it Ian Love? Was that who that was? Yep, Ian Love had a, okay. had a little project studio in, in a practice space in downtown Manhattan. Okay, and, and he had like just—I'm sorry, I'm a geek this way—but he had just like uh, like three ADAT recorders all synced up in a Mackie board, and we just set everything up, and he did an awesome job with that equipment, and you know, just sounds great. I, I agree with you guys; it sounds it sounds real good. It sounds like I said I, I listened to it again this morning, and I was just like, "This is awesome!" Like this isn't just like a demo. It doesn't sound like a demo that was just kind of slapped together. Um, no, I, I feel like we did. Yeah, we, and wasn't he in Diamond Sixteen with you guys? Uh, he not. He toured with us. To, he played okay. bass on our European tour. So but that's yeah, he, that's how he you was know. also in Burn towards the end of Burn. So you know he had right, right, right. Okay. And then later yeah. on, R Rival Schools too. Yeah. yeah, and he's re he recorded. I think his studio like the House of Love or something. It's called right. I think mm -hmm. now, and he he does more stuff. But yeah, it um it sounds that demo sounds great yeah i also seem to remember and tell me if i'm just smoking dope um we might as well just talk about the demo it's almost more interesting javier <laughs> <laughs> is going to be bummed that he missed the demo talk he's camping yeah. oh you're shit. playing you're playing ultimate frisbee he's camping <laughs> that's crazy um yeah. i seem to remember because we recorded that with cooper right yep. the yeah cooper, he was on that yeah um and was there, like, I remember there being, like, for some reason, I think I had heavier vocals and, like, some less heavy vocals sometimes. And, like, I remember, am I, am I remembering this wrong? Because I remember there's, like... No, no, Cooper had some, had some vocals, I believe. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. And we were just, like, no, this is going to be 100% brutal. Like, I remember, like, thinking, like, we had this sort of moment of, like, do we have vocals that are a little less? And, like, and I think we... I remember us all quickly being like, no, this is just, we're going for full brutality. Yeah. There, there's some like snarling Cooper vocals on, on the demo. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, on there. yeah. Especially over like Hartley, like over the whole middle of Hartley, he has a bunch of. Yes. Lines, you know? Oh, that's right. I seen, oh my God. That's right. We recorded Hartley on that thing too. Yeah. And, so many people come up to me, not so many, but people come up to me and tell me how much they love After School Special, which I couldn't even hum that song because I, I don't have a cassette player. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if we played that live. I, I don't, maybe like when we first started because that's all we had, but I don't, right. I don't once we had enough songs, I don't think we ever played that again. I yeah, think so this I'd, just means that it needs to be officially released. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It should be officially released somehow because it's just such a great demo it's, uh, it almost feels weird to call it a demo since the songs are so precise and intense on it 
That's what YouTube's yeah. for. Just go and search for it on YouTube. No, I, I know say, that's what I, I do, but it's a shame to do it that way. Cassette and uh, yeah. one sided twelve inch, and then have it on streaming. Boom. We should, uh, yeah. If Rev, we want to go into on. more debt with Revelation, we should have them put it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Javier um, does a cassette label. Just saying, I'll throw him out there. Oh, he I, I still have he's a cassette level, right? He is. Yeah. He is. I, I'm. I'm a cassette enjoyer as well. But Javier's the real, the real deal, the real tape head. So you still um, have. So Tim, I still have. Uh, the box, the original box that we printed all the laser, uh, or not laser uh, printer, but however we printed up all the labels, I still have that original box, like Avery label box. Oh, wow. All the covers that we uh, overprinted, and I still have all the cassettes that we never put the labels on, somewhere oh, in a shit. box. Right, right behind me here. Like Dude, I put those on Discogs. For all these years. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking now. that It's on Discogs. There's a there's a yellow cover. Nice. Um, I think I have one. Yeah, here's the yes. here's the red cover. Yeah. So on Discogs, the last sold was September 21st of this year, 25 bucks. Holy shit. Uh, the median is 25 bucks. The high end, it once sold for 50. Uh nice. it looks like it sold for $50 back in 2018. So and Andy, you got the, like 500 bucks sitting in that box. That's right. Yeah. And the red one hasn't sold since February of 2022. And that was $40. <laughs> nice. So, so would, here's, here's, here's another sidebar story. Hold on, wait, real quick, what would this fetch? The promo cassette. Oh, left, oh that's out. right. Oh my God. I don't <laughs> that's not even on Discogs. I don't think. <laughs> so that's the advanced cassette for the Rev LP? Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is. It's just randomly, I got my, my box of cassettes is just right next to me. So it is I'm, on there, and do you know what it got once? Are you ready for this? $12. Well, there's three, there's, there's three copies right now on Discogs. It last sold for uh, actually just last week, October 27th. It's Javier. $29.99, and it is, there is a copy for $29.99 up. There's a copy for $75 up, and there's a copy for $129.50 up. Free shipping now. Oh, cool. Get that free shipping. So talking about the LP, Andrew, when we talked to Keith and Tim before, I asked them about the drums for the record. What are your memories from recording the drums on the LP since these are two songs that were just recorded in the same session? Uh, well, there, there was some... Uh, wackiness with with the drums um so mostly mostly in um ammunition really was was the one that had the most wackiness but i i had this idea that i instead of to keep keep time i'd have like a little midi controller where i can just click some some counts for when we need count and we actually used it for uh target practice for the screams and just so we had so we just had some clips in uh to start the song but they did the studio didn't have anything. I just wanted a little foot thing that I could tap with my foot. Uh and so what they ended up doing was putting a little uh MIDI sensor uh, or a little like trigger sensor onto a ping pong paddle with a little rubber face, and they just mounted oh, yeah. next to me. And <laughs> and I would just I would tap, I tap that little ping pong paddle when when I was uh trying to keep track instead of like tapping the hi-hat or something. But what ended up happening was uh, an ammunition's like, and you hear it, 
click, click, click. You hear like this ping pong paddle click all throughout the song in the middle part. So we had to go back and re-record all the symbols for that for that song. So you didn't hear like the uh, that ping pong paddle click on. Right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, we did we did everything pretty live too. Like we did uh, a big room. It was Ironwood Studios. It's now a vast studios in Seattle. And we we did everything live. Um, I, I have all the original tracks converted to digital, and you know you can hear like in the room, just everything just, just blaring loud. It's super loud. Um, and you know I I, I had a, my my own. I, I liked how I was organizing my drums at that. I'm, I'm trying to find the right words to say this, but I used a really crappy drum set. But I, at least I had like the right sizes and the right sounds from those drums that I liked. I, I probably should have had better drums for that recording, uh, especially like my snare and my, my kick drum. Um, but that, and even Billy Anderson said, eh, I was wondering if I should rent drums for you or not. But we ended up, you know, it, you know, Billy, I think Billy kind of likes that kind of sloppy, uh, more garage sound. So I think it ended up working for him. Uh, but, but in hindsight, I probably, I probably should have had a little better some better equipment for for that recording um i yeah i think that's about about the highlights uh i, I can uh, think of right now oh man no i mean i had people hit me up and ask, specifically say how much they liked the drumming on the lp because they knew the episode was coming up and that's why i wanted to ask about it um so from my, i mean from my ear they sound awesome but i think that's just the plane over over what you saw as equipment possible equipment <laughs> in a issues um but yeah i think and the ammunition was my hot track on that record because i think the drumming on that is sick yeah so. the drumming's ridiculous mm -hmm. and i wouldn't know if you change snares honestly <laughs> 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 yeah i mean right at the time i thought it was yeah that's that's what my snare sounds like but you know it, you know now you know i've matured a little bit I, you know i i think i would have preferred a better better uh snare sound and, and it's funny too since i got the um uh, Matt Bayless actually went ahead and copied all those tracks for me to digital and ammunition's like the one song I would love to have remixed of, huh. of all those songs. It's funny you picked that one out because, because of those, like some of those weird production things going on on that record, especially like the, the bass guitar, uh, Tom's performance was insane. It's so good. Uh, I, I, you know, that like the highlight of having those tracks, everybody knows what Tim and Keith sounds like. I mean, you can hear that up front on the recordings, but like Tom, Tom's just not, you know, prominent on, on these recordings and and to hear what he does is insane yeah it's good but there was, there was a production problem with the bass where where his his string was hitting the pickups whenever he hit the the string hard with his fingers he played with his fingers and and every time he hit the string hard which was almost every single time it would there was a clicking noise like a click 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 and so billy ended up reamping the bass through like a marshall amp and it changed the sound a lot so I, I would love love to have like some remixes of those with with a real bass sound. What was it like for you working with uh, with Billy Anderson? I'm sure you're a fan of the stuff he uh, he worked with, like Neurosis and um, Melvin's, I think, right? And uh, I think he did the Sick of It All, Scratch the Surface, right? It, really? It's funny because I think that Sick of It All record was the one that kind of solidified. I wanted to work with Billy. Uh, he he said that. Um, when he did that record, he just mixed it and they told him how to mix it. So he didn't have a lot of say in the production of that, which I didn't realize at the time. Um, you know, I loved working with Billy. I mean, it was it was an in intense 
session working with him. He blasted like the music so loud in the studios where my ears were hurting at the end of the day. Everything was just super loud. He would burn this like charcoal incense. Uh, he would have like his his dealer show up and, you know, just party <laughs> <laughs> during recording sessions. And he was just like, yeah, like a ball of positive energy the whole time. Very intense energy. And, you know, he, he was excited for everything. Um, speaking back to the to the demo, you know, like man thing, he's like, we got to make this sound so much better than the demo. We got to work. That was like his whole goal was man thing had to sound better than the demo. Uh, I, I don't know if that happened or not, but boy, was that like a, just a huge goal of his was to try try to make it better, make it heavier. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm <laughs> again, retrospectively, I don't I don't know if I think it sounds better than the demo or or the choke EP. Um but you know, it was, it was a lot of fun recording it. Yeah, I basically remember him just being a maniac. You know, I remember like he walked in, and he's like this tall, he's sort of larger than life, dude. And for some reason, I thought he looked like Siv with a mohawk. Like um, <laughs> somehow they looked like the same to me. I don't know why. That's that's literally what I remember about Billy. And uh, yeah, I don't know. He he, he definitely. I feel like he did, he's like. I think one of his skills is he just brings this crazy energy when he gets there. You know, um, he yeah. did make it fun. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, uh, so I wanted to ask Tim about the artwork for the record, since I think in our previous talk, you said that it was your favorite artwork from the releases. Um, what do you remember from working with? Um, I mean, it's Damien like, uh, I mean, first of all, anything Damien illustrates, it's like, it's, it, it's so, it's so easy. Right. Um, and I think he drew those. I mean, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. He sort of hung out at the studio while we recorded the album. Yep. I think he, I think I let him like just pour through my lyric books. Um, and he, you know, he knew the song titles. And I think he just sketched while he was there. And he gave me this, this pile of stuff to play with. Um, but the seven inch. I used, um, when we played CBs, I think we might have been on tour. Maybe it was before he moved. We played CBs before he moved out west. And somebody gave me a New York Daily News um, where on the cover, the headline was Kiss a Goodbye. Mm -hmm. First of all, it was just super cool that someone thought of us, saved it, and gave it to me at the show. And then I held on to it until forever. And then I scanned it somewhere. And use that for the logo type for that seven inch. So, uh, and I just sort of loved how the whole thing turned out. Like just art, like in terms of just um, the look and feel of it, I just fucking loved it. Um, yeah, so that's my memory of it. You know, and it's like it, it's uh, target practice on one side and preacher on the other, and it's they're both like. These sort of headshots, so it's almost it almost feels like a before and after when you flip it. Um, yeah, I just thought it was it, to me. It might to this day be my favorite sort of design artifact of like anything I've done. Like it's, I just love it. Even just, the feel of the fucking paper, like everything about it, I just love. And I worked at a I worked at an agency in Seattle when it came out. I remember like being stoked to show people at work and. Um, they were sort of clueless as to what I did outside of work. So it was kind of fun. Um, yeah. 
So that's my, that's my sort of thoughts about that. Um, quick sidebar, back to cassettes before I forget. Because this might be important to you guys who collect cassettes. So I recently played a show with Verbal Assault and Soulside in Philly. And they had just come from Discord House, hanging out with Ian Mackay. And Ian's like this archivist, right? And he's got every cassette. And he's got minor threat arguments on tape and all this kind of stuff. And he told one of the guys who then told me, he takes apart his cassettes and put, puts them back together because it's not like, like all you got to do is replace the architecture around the cassette, like the actual tape, because that's what degrades. The tape itself doesn't degrade. So if you have a shitty cassette, it's chances are it's not, it's not the actual like tape that's bad. It's the fuzzy thing that rubs the tape. So if you take it apart and put it together in a new thing, you have a brand new cassette. So that, that's my punk tip for the day for you cassette collectors. <laughs> Thank you. Javier, nice. take note. One yeah, more. exactly. For your cassette buddy, take note. Our rough mix from an actual Ironwood Studio cassette <laughs> with Billy's handwriting on it. <laughs> oh, there you go. Sick. You know, I have none of that shit. I, have all the, I still have all of Damien's artwork, though. It's like sitting yeah. around in folders in my office. So the one thing I'll add about Damien's artwork was everything you said, Tim, is how I remember it, too. Except at the end of the recording session, you're like, Damien, where's my artwork? And he goes, <laughs> I, I don't know yet. You're like, surprise, here's the deadline. It's, it's now or never. And the next day is when he started <laughs> showing up with tons of artwork. But you basically, you basically told him it's now or never. And, and, uh, and uh, you were going to move on if he didn't have it. And <laughs> I, I don't that know if that was pretty... a real threat or not, but he, he showed up the, like the next day. That sounds pretty dickish, but on point. <laughs> <laughs> but I like how on the forty-five it says it says on the label "Cool Illustrations" by the one and only Damian Johnson. Yeah, so that's a nice shout out. Do you, what do other you, stuff has he done? Uh, I'm not familiar. I have to say, so uh, he was well. He was in playing any enemy with Andrew and Tom after Kiss Goodbye, and uh, Great Falls, and he's done a shitload of. Illustration work for a bunch of bands, I think. Yeah, like Ken, yeah. I mean, he did Ken the. Uh, if you know Ken Mode, he did one of one of their uh, records, I believe. And he did the uh, the latest Bitter Branches LP too. Oh, okay. So he he's the one that did the the LP, the Burning House, and the whole booklet. All those illustrations are his. He's like, uh, you know, you take Raymond Pettibone and and drag him through like a vat of acid or something. Like it's just. Uh, <laughs> That sort of that sort of sums up Damien's look. I want to see all the other illustrations. You know what I'm saying? If he gave you a pile of other artwork to choose from, it would be cool to see to see that stuff. Somehow. I probably I think I used it all. I mean, there's like the razor blade shirt that Rev put out. Um, the the hand strapped down with like the restraints. That's him. Um, every piece of illustration that's associated with Kiss Goodbye on Rev is. Is him. Yeah, cool. so I can't give him enough props. Cool, you're still working with him now also with Bitter Branches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I sort of insisted that he, I mean, and, and I insisted that he get paid, and he's too humble to like ask for real money, but we, we gave him some, some money. Yeah, because like, the, the booklet that comes with the Bitter Branches record is awesome. 
yeah. I mean, literally, he just gives me these. He literally sent me his sketchbook. Like his, his entire sketch. He did, he did this entire sketchbook for that and just mailed it to me and just said, here, you play with this. Like he's awesome. And that's got to be super fun for you as someone who, you know, works on layout and stuff to kind of get like the sketches, I'm sure, and just be like, go to town. And then you can kind of add your own. Yeah. Spin to I mean, it, you know, yeah. Like the, the kissing goodbye album cover, like it, it's actually a really cropped in. It's like the real image is a guy holding a gun, looking out a window. Um, but I didn't want a gun on our cover. So I just zoomed in really tight and he, he didn't care, you know? And yeah, so I don't know. He kind of gives me these beautiful raw illustrations and then lets, lets me play with them. It's pretty awesome. Man. Very yeah, cool. It's sort of a designer's dream because I can't illustrate like that. I can do a little bit, but he's, he's just next level. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at the seed, the CD, the kiss of goodbye CD and there's all the, I mean, I know we talked about it too in that one, but like all the different, you know, there's the switchblade and the yeah, exactly grenade and the little guy with the railroad stake or something in him. I don't know. Oh yeah, that that guy, yeah, the, the voodoo doll is me. The grenade is me. Like some of it's like stuff I had and was using already. Um, so it's a mix. But uh, was there really a shirt with the voodoo guy on? I feel like I've seen that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say. Jason's like, yeah, I have six of them behind me. I don't. I knew someone that was selling one, and they wanted $80 for it. <laughs> it was a little ripped up. I was like, ah, $80 is too much. I don't – I can't well, uh, Rev needs. Rev's right doing all these other represses, and I said this in the last one. I'll say it again because I would love a, a copy of the LP on vinyl, and it's like the cheapest one's 50 bucks on Discogs. Holy they shit. Need to, they need to repress your stuff, throw up some shirts. Was it hard to – do another band after dead guy or was it something where you didn't um i don't know you you have a band that's got an identity and kiss of goodbye is, is different from what dead guy was but has some of the same members was it was it was it a hard thing to do to start the band um i'll speak for me where uh the short answer is no in terms of like you're in the zone and like with me with my kind of vocals you sort of have to be worked into that kind of space so i felt like i was there and i was lyrically i got a you know i was overflowing with lyrics in my because i was writing so much with dead guy so in that sense no but i do remember also at the same time being like this has to be different from dead guy it can't just be like oh we we're doing dead guy over here to the side with just different people, you know? Um, and now there's two dead guys, picture dead guy. Like I didn't want it to be that. And I do remember at one practice and I'm wondering if Andrew remembers this, like I was laying scratch vocals over something and he was just like, you're sounding too much like dead guy. And I didn't even know what that meant. So I was like, okay. And, and maybe I was like doing a patterning that was like too similar to a dead guy song, which was probably very possible. Right. So I, I remember in the beginning, the only thing that tripped me up was like making sure I wasn't doing some sort of vocal, you know, rhythm or whatever you want to call it. That was already a dead guy song. You know what I mean? So I had to be conscious of that because I'm like, if I sing this the same way I sang 
the extremist or something, the same sort of rhythm to the, the lyrics, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really annoyed if I figure that out and or if someone sort of busts my chops for it, right? So that was the biggest challenge for me. I don't know if Huckins had any similar challenges. I just wanted to, to be meaner. That's all. You know, like I said, just more a little slower, more grinding, a little bit more punishing. Right. I think we pulled it off. Yeah, I think we did that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess, Jason, would you say it's time now for Hot Tracks? Hot Tracks. It is. So, I, I got, before we do that, I got, a, oh, I, got a, yeah. I got one thing I got. A, I, got a, I don't know if you want to put this in the podcast or not. But, uh, no, we do. We're putting it in. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I promised. I promised Keith payback for not inviting right. me to the. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. So so I, I I mentioned already that I have I have um, the tracks the original tracks from from these sessions, and and here's a little known thing about Preacher is Keith does vocals on on uh, he does vocals on Preacher. I was gonna ask you, is that me? Because. I haven't listened to it in so long. I listened to it literally five minutes before we did. Okay, this. well let's listen. Let's listen to the isolated track and, and let's determine. Oh yes. no! Hopefully you can hear this. I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> Yo, thank you for sharing. I got to say that shit sounded Sounds sick though. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell That's you right legit. I probably didn't speak for a week after that cuz I can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> I, I, I tried to sing a little bit with Rorschach, and every time it was like I like like on uh, the screams on Lightning Strikes Twice, which I just just scream, and like I was like the next like four days, I'm like, hey, what's going on? I gotta do it. Like it was fuck. Yeah, I mean, is that that? That's a question, Keith. Is this the only time you've done like actual lines and lyrics in a song? I didn't do anything in Dead Guy. Uh, yeah, no, just just those screams and like that that one show when uh, when Carl's was sick that I sang the set. Uh, yeah, yeah, wow. Thanks for that. Awesome. Yeah, that was that, that was, was awesome. beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> we've never had isolate. We've never had a isolated vocals uh, played on the pod, so that was super cool. Um, and yeah. I don't know how, like, you know, doing those kind of vocals, I would feel the same way. Like my voice would be shot. Like that's why, and I, we might've touched on it before Tim, but like your vocals are so brutal and I just don't know, you must've just built up calluses or something from years yeah, of doing it. I, Cause I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I literally don't try to understand it. Um, it's just there. And, uh, I know how to tap into it. <laughs> now I used to never lose my voice. Now, if I do like three shows, I'm not sure if I can do a fourth one on day four. I haven't tried that yet. Um, 
Yeah, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's funny because I was talking about that with Dan Yeeman because he just recorded a bunch of stuff. Um, and he hadn't done vocals in years. And I don't know, you sort of find a pocket. I don't know. Um, I'm glad it's still there. Because uh, if it wasn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get up on that stage and, I don't know, have half a voice would be embarrassing. Um, yeah, I mean, it hasn't lost any intensity. Um, so it's just, it's... It, it's nuts to me because again, I feel like if I tried to yell like that, you know, my voice right. would be gone. Yeah, it, it's, it's nonsensical. I, I, I don't, like I said, I don't try to understand it because it doesn't make any. You know, like literally, when I heard Keith, you can almost tell by the end of that. I was gassed. You're already feeling it, right? <laughs> and I'm like, and I, basically, and I, you know, the very first show I ever played with No Escape, I lost my voice, and we were supposed to play the Pyramid like the next day or the next maybe the next weekend even um, with like underdog and I still didn't have my voice because I blew, because it was the first live show I ever played and I just blew it out. Um, so I think I figured out how to find the pocket. Um, but it's one of those things I wouldn't be able to tell anybody how to do it. Like, it's like, it's, it's a weird, unique skill that uh, you shouldn't envy, you know, because <laughs> I feel like I'm good at one thing and it's pretty brutal, you know. It takes its toll. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely one take. There's no way I was doing that twice. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can tell you can tell it was one take. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Tim and, hit it. And, and, so, and, yeah. and so uh uh Mr. Gormley, how long have you been sitting on this one? Ever since I heard about this podcast. <laughs> nice. That was awesome. That was that was well worth it. So I so, when I heard about this podcast, I went and I loaded up those songs and and I I listened to them, so I familiarized myself with them. And I'm like, oh my god, that's Keith singing. Yeah, but but before you did that, my next question was actually going to be was who did those other vocals on Preacher? Was that me? <laughs> <laughs> and there we go, mystery solved. Yeah. So all right, well now I think we can get into. Hot tracks, which being that this is a two song seven inch, is always kind of fun because there's a 50% chance that we're all gonna well, the two people are gonna have the same one. Actually, I'm not really good with statistics. What's the what's the percent chance that all of us have the same one? Not, is it or there's 20% because there's five of us? I think it's one in five, right? Yeah, okay. I don't know. Tim, Anyone that knows math. Tim, you don't count. I can't really see you right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm afraid to put my video on because my phone's gonna die any second. So uh, like, okay. Oh, no. we'll, okay. We'll let we'll we'll let you so hot tracks, Tim, because we don't want to lose you. What's your hot track on this? Uh I it's probably target practice, I gotta say. I mean that song. I don't know, it sort of stood the test of time with us. I mean, I really like Preacher too, but if you, had, if you made me pick, you'd be target practice. And we did. We just made you pick. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. We're getting a, uh, we're getting a phone call in from uh, Javier. Nice. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Hav. Listen, I just got home from camping. And it was crazy, just like, you know what else is crazy is that song by Kids Goodbye, 
target practice. That song is fucking bonkers, you know what I'm saying? And so I guess that's my hot track for this this two-song 7-inch EP, Kiss You Goodbye, Target Practice. I'll see you all next episode. Filippo. Uh, you know, I, I, I love Target Practice, how it starts with the scream. It's got a real awesome drum bass break in the middle. Uh, Preacher is a little bit more obtuse, has some weird accents in the drums, uh, has a fast part. Like, we didn't do a lot of fast parts in Kiss Goodbye. And it's got the Huckins vocals. That's hard, true. Hard, you know, it's it's hard to choose. Um, I'll go Preacher. Why not? <laughs> Okay. Um, hmm. I'll go next. I'm going to go target practice as well, but I also love the demo version. Yes. That's a tough one. Um, so, but the demo is almost always better. So that's a tough one. I mean, I, I felt like, I felt like saying, am I, am I going to hurt anybody's feelings? by being like, I actually prefer the demo, but then I was like, no, Tim, I said, if anyone's going to understand it's Tim. Tim's going to understand. So, yeah, I, like, great song either way, but I actually do. I prefer the demo version. Me too. Um, yeah, demos but, are magical. You know, there's there's a magic you can't, you know. And I understand true. wanting to re-record songs from demos, right, for the actual LP. Um, but there's always a magic to the demo, you know. There's always a I magic agree. to the first recording of something. I agree. Yeah. It's hard to recreate. Yeah. And I'll say something probably unpopular, but I think on the demo version, um, Eric Cooper added like harmony guitar parts that I think added a lot to that. Yeah. That on the demo. yeah that right. Shout out to Cooper. Now let's repress that demo. Yeah. Get that demo online somehow. Yeah, I, like that, I like that idea. Dude, Jason. It's, it's fucking sick. Uh, I'm going preacher. It's just cool. Guitar works fucking sick in it. It reminds me of my war style black flag stuff it's got the fast part like you talked about um tim's vocal tim i love your vocals one of my favorite singers um through the history of loving hardcore but i feel like your vocals are like subdued a little bit more on preacher but it kind of like it works in that same way that jesus lizard works where it's like breaking out at points that i fucking love um so i'm going preacher (laughs) but i would listen to this online and it would be and i would finish preacher and then it starts target practice their vocals i'm like ah fuck that. i don't know this this is gonna be a hard one but yeah i gotta get preacher <laughs> especially hearing keith's isolated vocal tracks that's the shit <laughs> and then uh, finally well, keith well mine was gonna be target practice but uh, i'm saying my vocal performance puts it over the top so i'm going preacher there you go nice <laughs> It's also named after one of the best comic runs of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a le- I, I'm not familiar with the – does the lyrical theme have tie into, or was it just – No, no. That almost never had tie- – we just were like, oh, that'd be a good title for something. So, no, no lyrical tie-in whatsoever. Also, I got to say, the artwork, if you're going to look at the artwork for that preacher, that preacher side is just so fucking cool with the head exploding. Oh, totally. Yeah. What colors yours on, Jason? Mine's just on black. I think there was what? I looked on Discogs and what? There's a or that that Rev site that just popped out, uh, popped up online, and there's a hundred. There's a version of a hundred on 
some color. I'm not sure what, but mine's just on black. Yeah, if, if I was in my office, I could look it up. There's a gold. Yeah. Uh, the gold one, it says, is uh, the final pressing. There's 330. And then the red, which seems to be the rarest, is 100. So, yeah. Oh, got to give it a plug. The truetellrev.com was the site that True had Rev, yep. Yeah. That, it's a whole, it's the whole other side of Rev, you know, the pressing, you know, there's a lot of collecting that goes on uh, with Revelation, as everybody knows. And these guys painstakingly put together this website with, you know, all the pressing information and lots of cool stuff. So that's your bag. Do yourself a favor and check it out. And really, it should be your bag. If you're listening, if you made it this far into the podcast, <laughs> you're into that kind of cool nerd level shit like we are. So check it out. Well, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Um, there is one more kiss of goodbye record later on. Choke. True. We got Damien. So we'll have to uh, have a conversation soon at the rate we're going. That'll be next year. Uh, but hey. We're always so who's here. next on your list? Who's next? We have uh, Speak, Me? Knee Deep and Gill, Dan O. What's up, everybody? It's Javier. Uh, I did make it on this episode, turns out, but just to edit it and, you know, record this little bit here at the end where I... Once again, talk to you about our Patreon. If you're a Patreon supporter, then right now you have the opportunity to go to patreon.com and listen to like 30 extra minutes on this episode of Greg and Jason talking about the Kiss of Goodbye record and maybe some more stuff. To be honest, I'm not that far in the editing process yet, but I'll get there. I, I imagine that it's worth it. And there's also, you know, extra tidbits that we record with the artists on most episodes. We call it the Having My Say. And we got all kinds of other cool stuff. So head to www.whereitwentpodcast.com, get that info. But listen, top tier patrons, here's a special shout out Billy Tunnell, Brandon Gavell, Brian Buskey, Brian Skivington, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, Cliche John, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Ryan Walker, Tad Payton, Tanner Spaulding, Tim Shear, Tyler of the Life and Death Brigade, and Siren Records. Again, whereitwentpodcast.com. Find out all that info and a bunch of other cool shit. And uh, I hope to see you on the next episode. I hope you didn't miss me too much. Bit it, Bo.